Hey everyone, Ryan Smith. Welcome to the Threadcast. I uh, hope that you're having a good, good week. It is the first week in August, and so our family, we are gearing up for school. We're about two and a half weeks away. So today starts, uh, one of my sons is starting um, full-time football practice. One's starting some off-season soccer, uh, doing all that kind of fun stuff, getting haircuts lined up, any of that kind of fun stuff for us. That's what our life is doing right now. I don't know about you. Some of you guys I know in the UK are just starting your summer, so I hope you get to enjoy that. And I know some people are are already going back to school, which is nuts, but... uh, Hope you find yourself in a good place today. Um, we're in the midst of a series we're calling Campfire Stories. Um, if you've been with us this long, you know what we're up to. We're uh, diving through Hebrews 11, looking at heroes of faith and trying to figure out what it means for our own faith. And so we've been talking about just their stories and what it brings out. And uh, today we're talking about Jacob. And Jacob um, is, again, just like all the rest of them, a very, very unlikely hero, right? Um He's someone who it just doesn't make sense that he is on a a a list of people that we're to look up to because if we were to um if he were to be around today honestly we would we would we would shun him <laughs> we would uh we would judge him we would not allow him to be a part of who we are and that's just the culture we're in but I love I love that that God has kept him in this story and so I think that speaks to us greatly um and so, uh, I wanted to kind of quickly, you know, consider the resume of Jacob. Um, consider what he's about. You know, first Jacob is not the firstborn of his dad Isaac, um, and since he the firstborn holds the cultural pride of place in the ancient world, Jacob begins with um, a severe social handicap, and he knows it. Uh, second, Jacob possesses character traits that should disqualify anyone. From, shove, from shouldering um, the mantle that Abraham passes on, but it doesn't. And then although Abraham is a successful Mediterranean businessman who cuts corners and tells half-truths during his career, we never question his faith in God. Now Jacob, on the other hand, comes across as a crook from the very beginning, grabs his brother's heel at birth, he's bartering for es- Esau's birthright, He's helping his mother and stealing Esau's um, elder son blessing. He's tricking his way through his relationships with his uncle Laban, his two wives, his two concubines, and his 12 sons. Remember, um, Jacob means one who supplants, one who, who barters, one who bargains. Remember that? Um, third, when Jacob meets God face-to-face at the most decisive moment that we'll talk about later, in a wrestling match, there's no like remove your sandals. You're standing on holy ground, you know. Um, when Jacob encounters God, as a matter of fact, we don't see awe, we don't see fear, we don't see respect or humility necessarily. I mean, he's just trying to grab all he can from the Almighty God. Um, so, while we we may not be surprised that Jacob is, is he's renamed to Israel to the one who strives with God. We find ourselves, I find myself a little ticked that this man, he heads the holy nation that, that God declares to be his holy people, that Jacob becomes you know, Israel, right? That, you know, that this is the man that God's going to choose to carry the name of his um, blessed kingdom. Um, and the other things we find out about Jacob is that even as a father, he has little um, to look up to, right? Um, he shows blatant favoritism to the sons of Rachel, 
and his other boys are and his other boys are just simply out of control. Rubian, Simeon, Levi, and Judah are, are all mentioned specifically for their outrageous acts. Um, and he's com- you know in conspiring to sell Joseph into slavery in Egypt. They lied to the father about being alive, and they lived that lie for decades. Right. Um, so let's face it. Jacob is just a downright um, just scoundrel um, in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, yet, yet, the writer of Hebrews includes him in the list of unlikely heroes as a man of faith. Jacob meets the Lord out of a number of occasions in addition to his wrestling match at Peniel. And he is the covenant bearer whose name defines a nation. So we ask ourselves, why? (laughs) Why is someone like this included um, in this story, in our story? And I think, I want to put before you, I want that that Jacob um, is an example of what it means to struggle. To one who wrestles. And I think there's something about that that God wants us to understand when it comes to faith. The idea that that wrestling is not wrong. So, um, a sobering principle of faith emerges from Jacob's struggles. It's not simply that God refines people of faith through adverse circumstances, though that is true. It is more than that. Jacob's struggles demonstrate that God uses the adversities that come from our twisted temperaments and arrogant egos to turn our self-centered eyes to him. That is why Jacob's um, his fourth struggle, which is the one that's most momentous, is the one that carries the weight, the one that we're going to spend time on. And so I want to read that to you now. Um, for those that haven't don't remember this story, um, so it, it begins in Genesis thirty-two twenty-two through thirty-two. It says this: That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched, and he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. It's an interesting backstory there um, into all that. But um, the story raises a lot of questions. Um, It raises a lot of questions as to what's going on. And and, the first one is, you know, who is this opponent? 
You know, who is Jacob wrestling? And clearly this is a theophany. That word theophany um, just basically means a time when God makes an appearance. Um, and this is probably, uh, some theologians will even say that this was a, a this probably was Jesus. That this was um, before he comes and, and, and lives on earth when he does in the New Testament. This, is, this might have been a visit of the actual, of Jesus wrestling um, with God. Um, but both Jacob's new name, Israel, and the renamed location, which is Peniel, which means the face of God, confirms that he knows that he touches the living God. Uh, the prophet Hosea later identifies the angel with whom Jacob strives as God himself. You can see that in Hosea 12, uh, 2, I think 12, 2 through 4. But... If this is the Lord, why does Jacob seem to prevail? Why does Jacob seem to be the one who wins? Why doesn't God just kick butt and take care of him quickly and decisively? Um, I want to suggest that the answer lies in God's desire to meet this man just as he is. Jacob, the supplanter who struggles and deceives all his life, learns that God is not just a smarter or stronger trickster, a Laban with omnipotence, right? Um, As a matter of fact, a sound beating at midnight probably would only harden Jacob's resolve to retaliate the next time he has a chance. Through this long, dark hours up until the early morning, Jacob learns not only of the futility of struggling with God, but of the Lord's supreme patience ending in unmerited blessing. So the lesson for us is clear. God meets us on our own turf to make us humble, but he always meets us on his terms to make us holy. Right? Isn't that amazing? You know, like you you think about basketball teams or football teams, you know, and they have home court or home field advantage, and it's because they've got the crowd, everything they know, they know the the ins and outs of the court, they know the lights, they know everything about it. And so they, you know, that's where they feel most dominant. And God says, I'm going to come into your your home turf and I'm going to meet you where you're at. And I'm going to meet you there, but I'm going to do it on my own terms. And in my own terms, you're going to come out holy. Um, So there's never a doubt that God is in charge here, right? Um, In a manner consistent with ancient Near Eastern customs, the greater greater person names the lesser. And so Jacob um, cannot wring God's name out of him. Instead, Jacob is blessed with a new name and a new identity. Jacob's act of renaming the place Peniel demonstrates his faithful gratitude to the God who he now realizes walks at his very side every day of his life. Um, Here's the other statement that I want you to hear. A confrontation with God doesn't necessarily mean that a person will change, but a person cannot change unless he has a confrontation with God. I think that's so vital to understand this idea that that our our personhood, that our egos, that our our individuality must come face to face with who God is, with His power, with 
his might, with his mercy. And when Jacob does, Jacob is now transforms. He begins the night uh, watch as a wrestler trying to gain an edge, trying to, to gain, get one more up. But he welcomes the dawn clinging to God. He fights as Jacob the deceiver and he surrenders as Israel the God striver. He begins physically whole but spiritually deformed. He returns to his, def- to his tent physically lame but spiritually transformed. And so you have to ask yourself, do you feel like Jacob? Do you feel like you can do no more than cling to God and ask Him to bless you? And if so, you're in a prime, 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 prime place to receive God's blessing. Um, There's three lessons that I want us to think about um, from this story. Uh, Things I want you to just kind of you wrestle with in here in this story. The first one is that perseverance can lead to blessing. Um, imagine, you know, if you watch, you know, UFC or if you watch any wrestling matches, if you watch boxing matches, if you watch any competitions, right? You know, even soccer matches. Soccer matches are what are 45 minute halves. You know, uh, boxing and UFC, they go for what? One, two minute quarters and some, or, or periods and what they last maybe three to five. You know, a, a professional boxing match might go 10 rounds. But that's it, right? That's all the body can handle. Um, but Jacob wrestles with God all night long. And sometimes if we have to struggle with something even for a day, a minute, right? Um, let alone a whole night or years, um, we wonder whether what we're doing is right or whether God is doing his thing. But in this story, we see that that, that Jacob never gives up, and because of his perseverance, he's blessed. The second thing I want you to think about is that blessing can emerge from pain, right? That that he is he perseveres, and he does what he's supposed to do, right? He he's he's wrestling with God, but then at the end, God still inflicts pain. Um, and I don't know what that you know. I don't want to make a theological statement on that. But there is this idea that sometimes when we wrestle with God or when we're doing spiritual things, that things are supposed to turn out great. We're supposed to be rich. We're supposed to be blessed. We're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to have all the right amount of kids, the right amount of dogs, the picket fence, whatever it might be, right? Those things are supposed to happen when you do God's will. But sometimes when you do God's will, pain is still present. And that, that, that what you even see is that from pain is where the blessings flow. Now that is so weird and so um, twisted in some ways. Um, the idea that pain and blessing can go together. Um, but so many times as we see in any, any story, right? Any campfire story, any movie worth telling, the hero is not someone who's always had the perfect right life. The hero is someone who has experienced pain and overcome it, right? So if we see that in, in, in fairy tales, if we see those in movies, then there must be a truth there that, that exists even beyond that, right? That, that we grab hold to, that blessing can emerge from pain. 
And finally, uh, the, the third lesson I want us to think about is the idea of don't be afraid to come to Peniel or don't be afraid to come face to face. That's the whole thing with wrestling, right? Um, you know, with nuclear bombs, with missiles, um, you can push a button and you can send them away and you can you can do your destruction, you can do your combat um, where you don't have to have to see the person but but in wrestling it's face to face it's 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 up close it's personal and and when Jacob wrestles with God there's something that goes on and especially if it's a wrestling that is in, in involves perseverance then it's a, a long bout there is this pineal this face to face thing that happens and I don't suggest that it can happen in two ways first with yourself right then when you wrestle when you're persevering Knowing who you are, you know, Jacob goes into the match as Jacob the supplanter, um, but he's one that's always trying to connive. He's always trying to do his, do his thing. That I don't, I think that in sometime in that middle of the night, um, towards the end of it, he starts to realize that his ways aren't working, right? That there is something about what it means to, to acknowledge who you are and then to submit that that's not working anymore so there is this idea that you're willing to come face to face with yourself and seeing the struggles that you may bring upon yourself but there's also this idea that i come face to face with god and there's that that's where the faith comes in to recognize that that i'm doing it wrong but maybe there's another way to do it and that i trust the one i'm wrestling with um and what does god desire out of me and so I just want to suggest to you that when we're wrestling with God, you may walk away with a limp, but you will be transformed. And that's what I want you to think about today. What does it mean to wrestle with God in your faith? Where do you find yourself in that? And so, as always, um, we've closed each session with some questions. We talked about creation. Is your view of God large enough? With Abel, is my faith in God strong enough? With Enoch, is my faith in God steady enough? With Noah, is your faith in God distinct enough? With Abraham, is your faith ready for a journey? With Sarah, is your faith ready to trust a promise from God? With Isaac, where did your faith come from and where is it going? And then finally today with Jacob, are you willing to wrestle? And I want to suggest that wrestling is an essential part of our faith growing, of our faith existing the way it's meant to be. This idea that God wants us to wrestle, that God will meet us in our own way, in our own wrestling ring, and that we're called to come face to face with Him. But what will we do? Will we persevere? Will we fight through the pain? Will we allow the pain to bring blessing? But those moments, those moments of hardships, those moments of doubt, of anger, of frustration, of crying, of yelling, those are the moments that lead to transformation. So how does that hit you? Where, do, where, where does that leave you? What do you think about that? Where, what does it mean for you to wrestle with God? What, is that something you allow yourself to do? Is that something that you have been allowed to do? Or have you always been taught to be someone who is very humble, right? Someone who just takes it. because I, I do it because God said it. I do it because it's in the Bible. Or do you have the permission to allow yourself to get down and dirty with the divine? 
Some things to think about. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, let us know in Faith Life um, how this hits you. Hope you have a great day. Grace and peace.